0: Here it
1: is! From deep inside your audio device of
2: choice. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's not obligatory, and I don't do it because it's obligatory, but because as a, a New Orleanian, an adopted New Orleanian, I know what the people in Texas, some of the p- people in Texas are going through right now, and my personal hopes and uh, support are with them. This program is being recorded a few hours before you hear it, if you're hearing it remotely, like live. So I don't know exactly how bad it's been. But uh, those of us in Louisiana who, who lived through 2005 know how bad it can be. And so, as I say, my uh, my hopes for strength and uh, safety are with the people in Texas. Now, something a little more personal, something, you know, just a little bit about the, the media and about show business and who can resist those two topics. Apparently, nobody in the United States of America. You know by now, this happened since we last spoke, and by we, I mean me, that uh, legendary comedian Jerry Lewis passed away this past week, at the age of ninety one. Uh the obituaries I, I'll I'll take any of those. I'll say, you know, if if you're gonna forget <laughs> everything remotely negative that I've done in the same way you did with Jerry, I'll take that. Right now. Anyway, um uh, that's that's beside the point. If there is a point. No, there is a point. The point is that a a few of the pieces that have come out since Jerry Lewis's passing mention a somewhat legendary film he made. Legendary because it's never been publicly released. It was uh, to be his first dramatic work after a lifetime of comedy. And it was called The Day the Clown Cried, a movie about a clown in a concentration camp. I know, I know, you're you're not laughing already. Uh, my point being, some of the folks who have uh, reported on the existence of that film and its legendary status use the following verbiage. Harry Shearer, they say, quote, Claims, unquote, to have seen the day the clown cried. Claims. Now, I've said, I've written an article for uh, the late lamented spy magazine going in great detail into my response to, to having seen the film. But that, some years later, now reduces to claims to having seen it. All right, then. I I have never lied under oath yet. You know, there's still time. James Clapper, the former director of national intelligence, has. So he's more credible than me because uh, when he said the Russians hacked the election, everybody said, well, that's true. So let me just borrow his language to say, ladies and gentlemen, I assess with a high degree of confidence that I have seen the day the clown cried. Thank you. Hello, welcome to the show.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Summer was sweet and so she spent it in the city. As a blue like you too No one ever told her that Someday maybe she'd have to give in Thought you would take the time and teach you quite a lesson But soon she's feeling down It's really quite depressing now That no one else thinks she was born to win Cause we all walk the line All walk the line Then we give in Yes, we all off the line, all walk the line, then we give in, we give in, we give in. The summer's hot, but she still spends it in the city, triple jobs for slobs who don't know much of anything, and one day she's had enough, she gives up, she gives it in, meets a man who can because he's got the money. Has some kids and says it is. She'll get the house when she wants out. She's got the lifestyle now without the worry. Cause we all walk the line, all walk the line, then we give in. Yes, we all walk the line, all walk the line, then we give in. We give. Judging now, we're taking to the high road mm-hmm. Cast stone, you're on your own Cause in this dirty world, No
2: This is Le Show, and there was a time when uh, there was a vogue in the early post-Watergate era of investigative journalism in local television. Uh, that time, you may have noticed, has passed, except in certain places and uh, at, at, at certain stations. And we're lucky here in New Orleans, whence the show is originating, that we have uh, investigative journalism still going on of... Uh, pretty high order, I should say, and our guest today is one of the uh, chief practitioners of that. He's investigative uh, reporter for Fox 8, but don't get the wrong idea. <laughs> It's not Fox News. It's the local Fox affiliate here in New Orleans, Lee Zurich, uh, who's been at this for a while now. Lee, thank you for coming in.
4: Harry, great to be here with you. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm fortunate enough to work for a TV station that is committed to investigative reporting. And, uh, you know, there are others in the country that are like that. But I'm definitely fortunate to work at one of them.
2: Yeah, it's pretty amazing in this day and age when uh, reporting of any kind is being cut back Cut back to, you know, Rewrite eight stories before noon. Exactly. So let's talk about the the project you've been on that uh, attracted my attention this year, uh, still ongoing I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, called Cracking the Code. And I thought when it first appeared this was going to get national attention because it's not a local story, it's a national story. And one reason I invited you here today is to try to give it some national attention because I think it's important. Cracking the Code, explain what Cracking the Code is about, please.
4: Cracking the Code was the largest project, investigative project, I believe, that we've ever undertaken as a unit. And uh, we did it in partnership with uh, our partners at the local paper here, nola.com, and then also Clear Health Costs, which is uh, a company that looks at healthcare care cost transparency. It's run by Jeannie Pinder, who is a, a longtime New York Times journalist who, who left the Times a few years ago and started this company company and and she was really she essentially what the project is is gathering healthcare cost prices in your area so we focused on the new orleans area and and think about this harry you go buy a tv you go buy a car before you go in you, you have an idea of what it's going to cost. Before you certainly make the purchase, you know what it's going to cost you. You can shop around before to see who has the best deals. In healthcare, you can't do that. Th- there's nowhere for you to go, and we're not used to asking these questions. So um, – and, and healthcare care costs are rising significantly for everyone. So, so this uh, investigative series was really trying to bring transparency to healthcare care pricing in our area.
2: Now, the codes uh, that uh, the title of the series refers to um, are the actual uh, codes that hospitals – Used to identify different procedures, different uh, processes that uh, what they build for, right?
4: Yeah, they call it a CPT code. So if you have an MRI of the knee, it would have a code that's specific just for an MRI of the knee. An MRI of the back has a different CPT code. A a blood test, uh, you know, a thyroid check. Every every test, every procedure you have has a different code to it. And uh,
2: as I understand, uh, as I recall your reporting, uh, one thing that's going on is, uh, and and you can tell me how widespread it is, uh, a practice called upcoding.
4: And, and we've found that some, and, and we found that with uh, some of the people we talked to where there is, you know, upcoding or, you know, miscoding, not coding for the right thing. We had a doctor, actually, who someone coded him for a blood test. And when he bent, went back and looked at his, uh, his EOB form, his explanation of benefits, he said, I didn't have this test. And most of us never even look at that, never check it out. He's a doctor. Fortunately, he did, and he got the cost removed. So there, there's there's a, a lot of that going on. But what,
2: uh, upcoding would would in, specifically you found that there were some some deliberate upcoding, right?
4: Well, it, I, it, it's hard to prove. It's hard to prove deliberate. Yes, yeah. I mean we don't know that.
2: <laughs> is there a lot of downcoding?
4: Uh, what do you think? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I guess that answers uh, that question.
2: <laughs> but upcoding would involve uh, changing the the definition of a procedure to a more serious... A more
4: significant thing, yes.
2: Which would have a higher... Uh, higher cost. Yeah. So,
4: I mean, it, it could be, you know, a lot of it is if you go in for a regular doctor's visit. Um, you know, there are different codes for how long you're in there with the doctor, things like that. You know, those are certainly... Easier to upcode than others,
2: and then you you go into to just com- these comparative prices, and there's you found wild. Dis- I think wild would be wild. Put- yeah, disparities. Yeah,
4: and this is this is this is not a New Orleans story. And anyone listening to this who's not in the New Orleans area, don't think this does not apply to you because it does. 100% in clear health costs. Our partner Jeannie Pinder can tell you she's done this pricing in other markets and it is everywhere, but you can literally go get an MRI at one facility and it can cost you $800 and you can go across the street or down the street a few blocks, and it can be half the price Mm -hmm. or even less, and it is all over. If if you're not pricing this information, you could be getting ripped off.
2: And I believe you reported that there's a disparity even from the price that is charged to the insurance company as opposed to if you go in and, for God's sake, pay cash for your
4: well, and and that's why I you should always ask the cash price because we actually ha- we had a producer the cash price yeah, yeah. because we had a producer at our TV station okay we have insurance it's a good insurance policy he goes to the is, H- that the, is it the Fox insurance H- yeah no it's not through Fox it's not through Fox it's through our local that, station. that's no. great insurance no. <laughs> we, we but he goes and gets an MRI um at a facility here he was charged thousand uh, dollars. I tell him afterwards, hey, sorry, bud, but if you would have paid cash and not gone through your insurance company, it would have cost you $500. He would have saved $400, $500. Wow. Now, who even thinks about paying cash for an MRI. I know you should you should ask or if you go in for blood work or whatever. I, I mean you, you, the 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 lesson from this series and this is a lesson again for everyone is you have to take control of healthcare. You have to take control of your healthcare. You have to ask questions. We're not used to asking these questions. They're uncomfortable for some of us, but if you, if you want to save money, you have to ask these questions. What is the cash price? Um, bef- what is your price? So let me compare that to other facilities. Let me call my insurance company to see what is this actually going to cost me? But, but now
2: people are are uh, trained to, uh, in, uh, at least in the recent past, to the, the, the fact that there are facilities that are in-network or, or practitioners mm-hmm. that are in-network and pe- ones that are out of network and out of network is always going to cost them more. Yes. So uh, you have to know if you're shopping, whether the, the alternatives are,
4: in network or out of network. In network,
2: because the cheaper alternative might end up being more expensive, right? Yes,
4: but that and that's why you're asking them the true price. So you're finding out if they're in network, and if they are, then you're asking the price. But we we found examples. I don't know if you saw this story, what's called balanced billing. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Okay, well, you want me to wait a second? No, okay. go ahead. So that, that may be one of the most unbelievable things we discovered in here. So you can go to the emergency room. This is an in-network provider, as you said. Um, or, for example, The insurance commissioner in Louisiana, his daughter, his doctor daughter, went to go deliver a baby at an in network facility. Well, she didn't know. The anesthesiologist took care of her. Everything's fine. The anesthesiologist turned out to be an out of network anesthesiologist at an in network facility. The anesthesiologist bills the insurance company, the out-of-network anesthesiologist, gets whatever it costs. Well, the anesthesiologist is saying, well, I deserve more money. So I am going to also bill separately the insurance commissioner's daughter who had the baby and have her cover the balance that the insurance company wouldn't pick up the balance billing. We had a tourist from Oklahoma who came to Louisiana, had to go to the emergency room. His throat was swelling up, got treated for 15 minutes by the doctor, got balance billed $1,000 by this third-party doctor mm. in network facility, out-of-network provider at the office. Yeah,
2: when you say out-of-network doctor, I, I learned something in that report that I didn't know, which is what's reporting is supposed That's to be That's always about. good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is that a lot of emergency rooms use a lot of independent contractors, and that's where balance billing comes in. Is is the independent contractors are not covered by, whatever deal the mm-hmm. their the uh, emergency room makes with the insurance company.
4: They're third party contractors, and it's cheaper for the emergency room. It's obviously better. that These doctors can make a lot of money. I mean, the insurance commissioner told us that some of these doctors are making seg- seven figures because they're billing these rates. Balanced billing is actually against the law in several states. It's not in Louisiana. And there are obviously many of your listeners in states. It's not uh, against the law. I mean, and the problem with this, Harry, is when you go to an emergency room, you don't have time to ask those questions. <laughs> of course not. So- by, by kind of by- by definition, by, by of, definition yeah. of why you're going there you yeah. don't have time so you're stuck the insurance com- commissioner said is the most unconscionable thing going on in healthcare today because you're vulnerable you're going to an emergency room and they're sticking you with it and you have no idea it's happening to you why is it cheaper for uh, emergency rooms to use uh, contractors they're not paying salaries they're not you know benefits, benefits all of that kind of stuff the staffing issue it's all third party yeah and emergency and emergency rooms are expensive to operate and and i think that's an important piece to add to the other side that they are very expensive to operate yeah you have to have them staffed 24 yes, hours a exactly. day exactly you know? and there's some serious these the serious stuff that happens when people go there
2: so. yeah yeah um, is that a common practice in states outside Louisiana? Uh, balanced billing? No, well, um, I mean... Uh, the, 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 the third the contra- party? Yeah. Yes,
4: I believe it is, yes. and I mean, then the, That is not just Louisiana. And
2: balanced billing is as well?
4: Yes, in the states where it is legal. And in most states, it is legal, yes.
2: In the states where it's been made illegal, what was the argument for making it illegal?
4: Because it's unfair <laughs> to you who's going to the emergency uh-huh. room. And and didn't the uh, hospital industry lobby? Yes. They have tried to change the law in Louisiana for a decade. The insurance commissioner gave up because the hospital, the doctors, and quite frankly, the insurance lobby all packed. Because it's better for the insurance company, too, because they don't have to pay the cost. Just pass it on to the patient. Mm. So they all fought hard against it.
2: Now, you name what we like to call... In the modern era, the stakeholders—yes, doctors, hospitals, insurance Uh, companies—the only important stakeholder you left out was uh, pharmaceutical companies. They're not involved in that particular practice. Not in that. But that's a pretty good example of how the stakeholders operate in this system, isn't it?
4: Yes. There's and there's. I mean, in Louisiana, I mean, there are some lawmakers who told me. The amount of money they were spending on lobbyists, he he's never seen. I mean, there are very few times where he's seen that many lobbyists gathered to be hired on an issue like that. Mm. So there, there is a lot of money involved there, and there's a lot of money being poured in to stop things like that.
2: Let's go back to the codes for a second. Uh, is there a place on the Internet uh, where – First of all, are these codes consistent across state lines yes. nationally? Yes, it's,
4: it's a national code, so yes. So is
2: there a place – did you guys uh, uh, put together a database of of all these codes? Mm-hmm. So we could-
4: have it locally. Like if you're in the New Orleans area, you can go to our website. You can go to fox8live.com slash cracking the code, fox8live.com slash cracking the code, and you can search those. Or if you're elsewhere, I would go to uh, clearhealthcost.com. Um, who I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and they have a great site, and they actually have prices for some of the metro areas. They have some in California, some in Florida, I think the Philadelphia area. So they have some areas where they do have some good pricing data. Or where you. Can, but if even if you're not there, I would go search it because it gives you an idea of the wild, as you said, just disparity of prices for simple, different procedures.
2: Can you also... Just see a list of codes and what procedures they describe, so you can check your bill and see. Oh, this code describes a yeah, procedure that you I could, didn't you have. Can t-
4: what you could do is uh, type in your code or type in the procedure in these lists to see. Oh, well, that's different than what I had. Yes, uh-huh. can, there that that exists in, on the Clear Health and our site as well too.
2: Based on what you you saw here, uh, what's what's the uh, percentage basis of uh, miscoding upcoding that goes on.
4: I don't know. That's that's hard to uh quantify. I wouldn't feel comfortable answering that, I don't think. Okay. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a good question though.
2: Do you know whether this this whole system of code, obviously balanced billing is doesn't exist in a in a system where there isn't insurance. Yeah. Is coding uh, uh, per se used in countries that don't have uh mm this kind of system that we do? I, th-
4: I, th- I mean, I think each procedure needs to have a code, have something that goes just with to, it.
2: Just to make the computer just happy. Just to make
4: the computer happy. So, I mean, I don't think that's the issue as mm-hmm. much as, you know, the cost for the code, if yeah. you will. Yeah. And, you know, w- did the code actually cover what you were doing, as, as you've talked about, too? Are you still, is the series still ongoing? Yeah, we're still ongoing. We, uh, we plan to do some more, and uh, we continue to get feedback from our viewers. I mean, this was really a project where a lot of our stories and our data came from people who read and watched our stories, and they contributed their pricing, and, and that's how we – that's what led us to the stories that, that we we aired and wrote about. Wow. The, the biggest lesson from this, I think, is if, if, if you're going to have a procedure – this is the biggest lesson I learned mm-hmm. from this – if you're going to have a procedure at a hospital, just – be careful because if you're if you're going to have a routine MRI just just in big picture most of us what we do blood tests MRIs that kind of thing probably the majority of us have if your doctor prescribes you to go to a hospital I would say wait and ask if you can go to another facility instead and price out another facility because those routine those routine procedures blood work MRIs things like that are much higher typically at a hospital than at some imaging center or you know facility that specializes in blood work that's away from a hospital, and that's where we found a lot of our viewers were paying a lot more than they. So it's to.
2: it's the absorption of the uh, of the hospital overhead that's yes. increasing the cost yes
4: significantly too.
2: And should should one have any concerns or doubts about the quality of the the Technicians or the, the, the and, people and, who are pre- pre- performing these procedures in these little, uh,
4: and, and I think that's a valid question. I'll, I'll answer that two ways. First of all, you know most of the it, it, most of the facilities that we saw that we solicited information from had just as good of machines, and, and actually we had a couple of savvy viewers call and ask the type of machine <laughs> they had versus the type in the hospital, and they were the same. Mm. Um, but you should check and ask that quite possibly. And then um, the other f- was entering a couple of the hospitals told us, well, you're not measuring quality of care. You're mm-hmm. not measuring that here, which is hard to do. But we actually had a couple of doctors send us a study that says you really quali- – that's not a good ju- – you're basically going to get the same quality of care wherever you go for the most part. And studies show that.
2: The music played in the MRI is going to be as good in the little exactly. places in the hospital. as in the hospital, yes. Now, the other question that occurs to me when you're telling people this is, if you call up a hospital and ask for the price of an MRI – how many hours should you set aside for that conversation? And, and that's
4: and that that is the toughest part because there. I mean, one of the hospitals actually had a training seminar we heard after we started this because they were getting bombarded with calls and they needed to figure out how to answer it. And it's a pain in the butt. I'll be honest with you, it is. Um, it took us a while to get answers. Sometimes they didn't want to give us answers. Um, but I think the more people that do this that get hospitals and providers in the habit of doing this, the better it is for all of this. But then you, you just got to decide. I mean, is it worth an hour of your time to call around to save 500 a $600, 1000 $2,000? I mean, you have to decide that. For me, it is. But mm-hmm. um, well, you're working do, for Fox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who writes your paycheck? <laughs> I get. I
2: I gather from what you've said earlier that you would not describe this as rampant with abuse, but rather uh, uh, a, a a system or an environment in which wide discrepancies in prices can be charged. Yes,
4: I think it's. I, and I think it all leads back to sunshine, to transparency. Um, if 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 you don't know when you're going to buy the TV, what it's going to cost you until you buy it. If you don't know competitor a costs this competitor b costs this they can price it whatever they want and you're stuck with it right but once you know those prices it's a competitive environment it's that they're going to have to price them the same come down things like that so it's it's a it's a transparency issue mm. i mean there were there were hospitals public hospitals Taxpayers, you own them. There were public hospitals that would not tell us their prices. They mm. would not tell us how much they charge for an MRI of the knee with cash. Mm. That's absurd. Yeah. Wow.
2: Lee, um, I, I think we've met once or twice yeah. before, mm-hmm. but it's a pleasure to see you again. It's and, good to and spend
4: time together. Like, yeah, this yeah is good. and
2: congratulations on the series. Uh, it, it caught my thanks. attention. I, I hope it now catches more people's attention, and and people in other communities follow up on this.
4: Thanks, thanks for the kind words, and and thanks for you know you know taking a, a look at this work, which I think is important for for everyone. Healthcare prices are going up, and and people can save some money. Cool. Thanks again. Thanks, Harry. <laughs>
0: old old friend he hangs around the rainbow's end a dealer in dreams whispering of fortune and fame fanning the flame hear him calling your name long daddy green is a fly by night Turn around, he's out of sight Seems he's your fair-weather friend And your foul-weather foe The wind starts to blow Daddy green starts to go The lies he tells aren't new to you You're not naive No, he won't be true to you still you believe you believe long daddy green chops you down to size with slow hellos and fast goodbyes he comes around when you feel about ten feet tall to make you feel small Just like nothing at all. You try to tug his sleeve one day. Your hopes are high. He'll turn around and walk away. But still you try. Still you try. Long Daddy Green likes to disappear. Pretend that he is nowhere near Then he'll come tap at your window Scratch at your screen He sure can be mean Long Daddy Green You sure know how to treat your friends mean Long Daddy
2: Green From Santa Monica, the home of the homeless, I'm Harry Shearer. This is Le Show, and now, ladies and gentlemen... News of the Olympic Movement. Produced, as always, by Jim Ebersole, Jr. Do you know what parkour is? It's a street-running sport. Global organizers of it have given the International Gymnastics Federation a deadline to end their attempts to control their sport and give it... Olympic status! Isn't that what we all want? Olympic status? Damn, I do. Parker Earth, it's, the, not, it's not a guy, it's the organization, asked the Gymnastic Federation's president, Morinari Watanabe, in an open letter this week for an urgent meeting by the middle of next month to formalize its right to govern. The Sixth Nation Group seeks the Federation's commitment to, make, to take no further steps to implement your purported encroachment. Their words. It's the latest dispute involving Olympic sports bodies for control of popular youth-oriented events. You gotta get the Ute. Parker uh, uh, combines running, climbing, and acrobatics across an obstacle course of urban architecture. It's like, what? Grand Prix without wheels. It is featured in scenes from the action movies The Bourne Ultimatum and Casino Royale. The International Gymnastics Federation or FIG, don't ask, is working with some French founders of parkour to launch a world tour of events next year leading up to the first World Championship in 2020. I can see it from here. After the International Olympic Committee added youth-oriented urban events, did you know about this? The IOC added youth-oriented urban events such as three-on-three basketball. <laughs> i play that. Skateboarding and sport climbing to the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Parker seems a likely target for the 2024 Paris Olympics. Three-on-three basketball. It's like that's what people play when they don't have enough to make five. Organizers recognized in France, Britain and Australia say Olympic ambitions are unwanted as the International Federation for Parkour will henceforth be the recognized custodians of the philosophy, integrity and sovereignty of our sport, art, discipline internationally. The group said, it's an art, it's a discipline, it's a sport. The open letter was signed by Parker Earth's independent chairman. The, uh, Gymnastics Federation is based in the IOC's home city of Lausanne, Switzerland. It did not succeed in getting a form of parkour added to the Tokyo Olympics. The same day, the group issued its news release explaining its vision for parkour. It's battling visions, everybody. The gymnastics body said some parkour officials were responsible for bias and misinformation indiscriminately conveyed on social media to convey a negative reaction. The Federation would like to specify its approach has never been to unilaterally appropriate a discipline. Let's just have the the sponsoring bodies fight it out. Make that an Olympic event. Would the youth watch? Who knows? They got it. It's the Olympics. It's a movement. And we all need one every day. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a little fish. The big fish may get away, but they got a little fish. An engineer who helped develop the engines at the center of the Volkswagen diesel emissions cheating scandal was sentenced this week in federal court in Detroit to 40 months in prison. He's the first person in the scandal to face a prison term. The engineer, James Liang, was not the mastermind behind VW's scheme. Authorities said he was a key player who was involved throughout the year's long effort to cheat U.S. emissions tests and the subsequent cover-up. Liang's sentence was more than the three years prosecutors had recommended, less than a possible five-year sentence. The judge appeared intent on sending a message to others in the auto industry. He called Liang an important member of a massive and stunning fraud. The judge, Sean Cox, cited the potential impact on America's economy. This crime is a very serious and troubling crime against our economic system, he said. He noted what Liang and Volkswagen had done was to undermine the trust between buyers and sellers. (laughs) That happened recently? The judge admitted he found it difficult to impose the prison sentence, in part because Liang appeared to be a good father who'd worked hard to build a life. He said Liang was arguably a brilliant engineer, but one who had been arguably too loyal to volkswagen that's right he's doing hard time for being too loyal to his employer he was a sucker um just to note he was a, a player not the key player not the mastermind behind a program by volkswagen to cheat us environmental authorities about the degree of emissions emitted by the volkswagen diesel cars. Just as a comparison, the guys who were the masterminds behind the U.S. program to torture detainees haven't even been charged with a criminal offense. The little fish, ladies and gentlemen, one reason to to, uh, get them is because they really are delicious. Now, um, the president (laughs) President Trump delivered a speech this week that was notable because, A, he read it off the teleprompter. B, it preceded a um, bizarre, off-the-cuff, non-teleprompter speech or set of remarks in uh, Arizona the following night. During which he hinted at a decision which became public late in the week, his decision to pardon tough Hardline pres- uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio of Arizona. But that Monday night speech was uh, President Trump's attempt to explain his new policy regarding the war in Afghanistan. As a uh, candidate, he had inveighed against staying in Afghanistan during the speech. He said that was his instinct. He usually trusted his instincts, but his generals had told him otherwise. So um, the new policy involves putting some more troops in Afghanistan, because that worked so well at the last time, and calling out Pakistan for its long-known but never acknowledged by the United States role in supporting the Taliban, supporting the Afghan Taliban, via its intelligence agency, the ISI. That was not accompanied by any particular measures against Pakistan were it not to end that support. The president also distinguished his policy from that of his predecessor by saying it would not be bound by deadlines or timelines, but it would be conditions-based, that is to say, based on what was happening on the ground. He also uh, said, which was probably the most provocative part of the speech, that the United States would invite India, Pakistan's regional adversary. The reason that Pakistan got nuclear weapons is because India got them first. They, of course, used to be one country before uh, secular division occurred, and the Muslims were packed off to Pakistan and the Hindus were kept in India. Um, The president would invite India into Afghanistan... To increase its involvement in the rebuilding of the country, which the National Security Advisor, General McMaster, said the, the goal of which was not to um, make Afghanistan more like the United States, but victory, he said, would consist in Afghanistan being allowed to be Afghanistan. That's how it looks from here. How does it look from over there? From Afghanistan
5: Public Radio, where the tote bags get smaller, but the mugs stay the same. From the still-abandoned American television truck in downtown Kabul, where corruption isn't a problem, it's a way of life. <laughs> I'm Mahmoud.
1: And I'm Hamid. We're Pluck and Schmuck, the out-of-work brothers. Welcome to another edition of Karzai Talk. Today's program comes to you with the assistance of the Afghan Fund for the
5: Study of America. We go where the money lives. (laughs) Well, my younger brother, this week we stepped into a new era in our great country's history.
1: Ah, you mean an era where a foreign country wants to put more troops into Afghanistan? ...to help us be more like Afghanistan?
5: <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I've thought that for the past couple of thousand years... Mm-hmm. ...we've been doing a fairly convincing imitation of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: could have fooled
6: me!
5: <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you are cars I talk.
6: Hello, this is Donald J. Trump. First-time president, long-time caller, but uh, not to your show.
1: <laughs> Hello, Mr. <laughs> president. I, I once shared your title
6: that's possible, but uh, I don't think you shared my lifestyle.
5: Oh, perhaps you missed all the issues of Karzai the magazine.
6: <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, but I'm betting if you did have Karzai steaks, they were probably yak meat, and almost certainly not prime yak meat. So. <laughs>
1: Mr. President, I know neither of us wants to spend this conversation
5: on so trivial a subject. He's saying enough yak about yaks. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I know what he's saying. I'm mm. very perceptive about people. Probably the most perceptive
6: You've ever met, and we've never met. I've. I was just told I should call your show and clear up our new Afghanistan policy. Oh,
1: for our listeners?
6: No, for me. Mm. I read the whole speech on TV. I still don't understand half of it.
3: <laughs> but you know, it,
6: it goes against my instincts. Mm. But here goes. My generals tell me we're not winning. We have to win, and you know why. Uh,
5: Because it beats
1: losing.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Because we're winners. Uh,
1: May I I say, Mr. President, we know the feeling. Every time an invader has come to our country,
5: we have been the winners. And so the strategy for you to win in our country would be to leave.
6: (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. The strategy is no deadlines, Mm -hmm. no Mm timetable. We're totally conditioned space.
1: So... If conditions get a little worse... We
6: stay to turn it around.
1: And if
5: conditions get a little better...
6: We stay to make it even better.
1: So, uh, uh, what's the condition under which the Americans would leave?
6: Let me tell you this. When the table ban no longer pose a threat to our country. By the way, it's not a real ban.
5: Mm, Mr. President. Yes. Uh, I meant the real one. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. President. What about the puppy trade? Look, here's the story. I haven't followed it, but I
6: think if we're lucky, Mm -hmm. it's the kind of trade that makes both teams better, which we love. We love win-win. Listen, fellas, I almost left out the most important part. Ooh,
1: more money for us?
6: In in, in the speech, which (laughs) I don't know if you saw it, but most people say it was the best speech on foreign policy they'd ever seen. I made it clear to the Pakistanis, they have to stop supporting the terrorists in your country, or else.
1: Or else what?
6: Or else they don't, which everybody knows they should. Mm. And I can tell you this, yeah. we're inviting the Indians in, yes. and everybody says the Pakistanis don't like that. So this is a warning that there's, there's a lot more of that to come.
5: Uh, More Indians? That's the easy part. (laughs) (laughs) Listen. Mr. President, let me
1: ask you one last question because uh, I know at least one
5: of us is pretty busy right now. That's right. Live radio in a truck is no picnic.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm calling from Camp David. I can tell you this. This place is a dump. Mm. Of course, I'm Mm. not supposed to say that. But, hey, I'm the president and you're not.
1: Well, I used to be.
6: Great. Then talk to me when I used to be.
1: All right. In the meantime, this last question. When your army...
6: And your uh, army, don't mm, forget them. They're terrific. mm, We need them to step up and be so much more terrific, the likes of which you've never seen.
1: When both armies defeat the Taliban, where should the Taliban go?
6: Here's the deal. And this is our policy about the bad people in your country and in our country. They should go back where the hell they came from. But the Taliban are from here. You know, my friend Sheriff Joe would say... Just round them up and put them in pink underwear. Mm. It worked extremely well for him. I can tell you that. Extreme working, I coined that. Mm. Listen, fellas, they're telling me I got to go tweet some more. So so. so so, thanks very much for the call.
1: You
5: got it. Well, my younger brother, looks like I shouldn't give up the Toyota franchise just yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just tells you how much our country is like Las Vegas. Too hot and dry? <laughs> Visitors can't afford to leave and they can't afford to stay. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> hello, you're on cars, I talk. Uh, hello, I'm Nawaz, a former Pakistani front minister. First-time caller. You're getting a higher caliber of caller since we stopped giving out our number on the air. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Nawaz. You know who he is? Yes, and I remember who he was. (laughs) Uh, If you can stop playing word games with my name. Mm -hmm. I wanted to say that, of course, I no longer speak for the Pakistani government since I was forced to resign from it. But I do speak on good authority about the position of my successor. Who happens to be your brother? These things happen.
1: I know the feeling. <laughs>
5: <laughs> so, uh, you have an opinion about how your country will react to President Trump's speech? Well, first of all, we take great pride in it.
1: Oh, and why is that?
5: Uh, some of the components of the high-end teleprompter are made in Pakistan.
1: <laughs> <Well>.
5: <laughs> and secondly, <laughs> we totally reject the idea that Pakistan served as a haven for afghani taliban oh they don't cross the border and receive aid and assistance from your intelligence service well they may do what they do but uh, once in our country we view them as fellow pakistanis we're we're not like america
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but i was <laughs> you
5: mean nabal I, <laughs>
1: I was wondering, how do you view the American invitation to India to deepen its involvement in Afghanistan?
5: Well, just as a friendly neighbor, Mm -hmm. I'd say you people might just have enough foreigners hanging around already.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the call.
5: We had help today from the Afghanistan Army. It's not just a job. It's a paycheck.
1: Legal services for Cars I Talk from the law firm of Ketchum and Nukum. I'm Hamid. And I'm Mahmoud. Join us again next time when we connect up the phones for another edition of Cars I Talk. This is
5: APR, Afghanistan Public Radio. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry not that
2: not that many people sorry this week you know it's summertime not that much to apologize for deadline goose creek south carolina the principal of stratford high school has apologized for comments made during a school assembly this week that set of comments caused outrage among parents and some students quote yesterday and this morning i met with each class of the St- stratford high school student body stratford principal heather Tavlor wrote, I addressed a comment made during a 10th grade assembly and shared from my heart that my intention was not to hurt or offend any of my students in any way, unquote. Principal Taylor in the statement did not give details about what comment was made, but a parent of a Stratford student claims that while addressing the dress code, Principal Taylor made a comment concerning leggings, Quote, she went on to say that unless you're a size 0, 1, or 2, leggings make girls look fat or like sausages and should not be worn, the parent claims. Post on Facebook by the parent went on to say she doesn't have a problem with the dress code but was concerned with body shaming or calling any person fat. That's weird. Just the opposite. I hate dress codes, but the Calgary Airport Authority in Canada. Canada is returning disabled parking spaces after it was criticized for converting them to more lucrative Lexus-only spaces as part of a marketing campaign. Well, marketing campaigns can't hurt you. It received a complaint after a family with access needs pulled into the short-term section of the parkade, it's a Canadian word, I guess, to find the five accessible parking spaces they usually use were gone. The airport had sold the space to Lexus so the car firm could paint its logo on the floor and allow its customers to enjoy the prime location exclusively. Lexus Canada now says it was unaware the marketing campaign would involve the removal of parking spaces for travelers with a disability. Lexus Canada would like to offer our heartfelt apologies to anyone who may have been offended or affected by a recent marketing campaign at the Calgary Airport. We were not aware that accessible parking spaces would be used for this campaign and have asked the airport to correct the situation as quickly as possible by returning those parking spaces to their intended use. In the future, we will more carefully scrutinize the details of these types of marketing campaigns. We were truly embarrassed by this mistake. It shouldn't have happened, and we're taking steps to make sure it doesn't happen again as part of our relentless pursuit of apology. The airport, unquote, the airport, the last part wasn't a quote, the airport also released a statement saying it would reverse the decision and return the spots to accessible parking. Calgary International Airport would like to apologize to our passengers impacted by the decision to change the location of the accessible parking stalls at the airport. It's clearly out of touch with our commitment to being an accessible facility. The Calgary Airport Authority would also like to apologize to Lexus Canada. Everybody's covered. A prominent imam in Orange County, California. Has retracted comments he made during a June sermon in which he stated that ISIS and other terrorist groups were supported by Israeli intelligence. His Imam Saved Mustafa al-Kazwini has drawn the ire of Southern California Jewish leaders for those statements, which were released by a Washington-based nonprofit. Al-Kazwini said he made the statements based on information he'd received from Iraqi government officials during a trip to Mosul. In twenty fourteen I blame Mosul Quote, after careful reflection on the reliability of these sources and on the realization of the extent to which these comments have offended and hurt members of the Jewish community. I have decided to rescind my comments. He said, posting retraction on his Twitter feed and his mosque's website. Al Kazwiini said he understands the insensitivity of his statements and apologizes for the pain he has caused, especially to his Jewish friends. Quote, I appreciate the importance of engaging in genuine interfaith relations and solidarity with members of all faith traditions based on mutual respect and trust. I pray that all communities can come together in peace and solidarity to overcome the challenges of our time. Unquote. The imam had made the statements in June addressing his congregation at the Islamic Education Center of Orange County Mosque in Costa Mesa. It's so weird, there's no history of religious goofiness in Orange County. And a French company offering invisible PC spy software has been criticized after it said its product could be used, quote, to find out if your son is gay, unquote. Listing a series of clues, the company Fireworld suggested that hacking his Facebook account and seeing if he had visited gay websites could confirm a parent's suspicions. The company has since taken down... The article in that article, the firm said, family is fundamental. That's why the sexual orientation of your children directly responsible for the continuation of your family is very important to you. The article went on to list the clues that might cause a parent to suspect their son might be gay. The article makes no mention of female homosexuality. The clues include, quote, taking good care of himself, unquote, being more interested in reading and theater than in football, being shy as a young boy, having certain piercings, and liking female singers and divas. In response to online criticism, Fireworld wrote, the article had the sole aim of improving search engine optimization and was never intended to be read by humans, unquote. Continuing to quote, we regret not having reflected on the consequences of this type of content. We sincerely apologize to all of those who may have felt offended by this content, unquote. It is not legal in France to install spyware on someone else's computer in order to monitor it without their knowledge. Fireworld points out to customers they must comply with the law while using their products, it says. However, installing This product, to make sure your children are not endangering themselves on the Internet or on social networks, comes closer to being legal, That's what we all want, just to be close to being legal. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Now, news of the godly. One quick item. A former priest in Honesdale, Pennsylvania, has been sentenced to prison after being convicted of downloading child pornography. His explanation for why he did so raised eyebrows. Kevin Guglietta, a 55-year-old priest, was arrested last year after a month-long investigation. He was eventually charged with 20 counts of child porn, 20 counts of disseminating images of children involved in sexual acts. He pleaded guilty to one in return for the other 39 counts being dismissed. He uh, downloaded the child pornography. He said, to authorities because of poker. Specifically, Gugliotta, who told probation officers he's a poker player, felt that God was attacking him when he lost games and tournaments. By downloading the pornography, Gugliotta told officers, he felt he was getting revenge against God. News of the Godly, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast on the subject of God and Jerry Lewis. This from Telethon Memories. Now, for those that were offended because I said the man upstairs goofed, I'm not going to come out and apologize to you because that's what I believe. I'm a very religious man and for those God-fearing people that think that I might have put down God by saying he goofed, if you are indeed religious and if you indeed believe in God, then you must believe that he's fallible. Then you must believe he can, in fact, make an error. You must believe if there is a God, and I believe there is, He's got to have a lot on his mind, too. So, of course, you can take revenge on it. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over the same station. So for NPR worldwide throughout Europe on the UCN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network, up and down the east coast of North America by the shortwave giant WBCQ, the Planet, on the Mighty 104 in Berlin, on Soho Radio in London, for your smartphone on Stitcher.com. For you, a free podcast from Cytro Network, SoundCloud, TuneIn.com, iTunes, and www.no.org. And available via the Internet at two different locations, live or archived whenever you want it, at harryshear.com and kcsn.org. Also, check out the uh, Facebook and Twitter links for the Show. It's at the Show, W-W-N-O. On both Twitter and Facebook. Check that out. If you got time on your hands. The email address for this program, playlist of the music heard here on your chance to get Cars I Talk T-shirts. Who can resist? All at Harryshear.com. And me, I'm on Twitter, the aforementioned Twitter at the Harry a typical show chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Exile and Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and Jenny Lawson at WWNO in New Orleans. And also to Jeffrey Talbot at AudioWorks in New Orleans for assistance with today's broadcast. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network so long from the home of the homeless.